Hey everybody, this is Petey from the Spinner Rack, and we also have Alvin Ellis, ready to rock. Now, we had uh, another passing in recent days. We recently lost um, Joe Sinna, who was a, a Marvel artist, inker, emblisher, and or finisher, any way you want to say the last part of really adding his own um, style to the artwork that he worked on. Um, he's a, a, from way back in, I guess, in early Atlas, he was working at Marvel with Stan and, you know, he, I think his last official sort of job for Marvel was the Spider-Man, um, news strip. But, you know, that says what a, a long, strong career and a strong talent, uh, that was at Marvel. What do you do? What are your first thoughts on, um, Joe Sinat? Cal? First thoughts, well, first thoughts, of course, rest in peace. And thank you uh, for all the great art, all the great renderings that you've done that contributed to the greatness and the uh, the halcyon days of Marvel Comics. Uh, in terms of in terms of his overall art, uh, I don't. I'm not sure where you fall in terms of the contributions of an anchor to overall art. You know, I've already heard. You know, you heard the jokes that just tracing, uh, but a lot of the stuff. You know, the shadows. The, the the fullness of the art that you see get to see uh, before it's colored or even after it's colored is attributed to a good anchor and a good anchor also is able to bring out the best in those pencils. If, if you look at say uh, someone like Kurt Swan's art, and a lot of guys would say, oh, you know, didn't necessarily like his art, and, but you know, it depends on who inked it. I remember seeing some of Kurt Swan's art inked by George Perez, and the way that George Perez inked it, I thought George Perez was the artist. Whereas then you have somebody like uh, Murphy, Swan Murphy Anderson who does it, and you get to see the fullness of those pencils. So now with Joe Sinnott, if you look back, especially with his work with Jack Kirby, and you look at the work on Fantastic Four, you look at the work with the Silver Surfer, uh, just really, really good stuff, you know, able to, I mean, and this is Jack Kirby's work. I would think that Jack Kirby's work, you know, without a doubt, if you're, you know, somebody who's into art, comic book art, and understand the, the you know, the, just the sheer awesomeness of Jack Kirby's work, but to be able to bring out even more and make it even more pulse pounding than it was, it, it's a really, you know, it's, it's a really big compliment to what he, he was able to do as an anchor, as an embellisher, you know, just in, you know, just hands down uh, a top talent that unfortunately we've lost. Yeah, and I would, um, he was, you have to also imagine that when he first worked with Marvel, um, well, before, you know, when Marvel first became Marvel and they had a hit book, The Fantastic Four, um, Stan had tried to get um, Joe to work on The Fantastic Four and he worked on the first Doctor Doom issue. And you can see the sort of approach to Ingham was a little different than what happened before. And the book was already a success. But you see, the, his approach to the art was a little different. And you know, it was like the faces are a little more handsome in the, in the book as far as, and the same for the, the female characters. And he did a little bit of the first issue of, no, the first part of issue four, of issue six. And then that, I think he had to move back to some of the other titles he was working on outside of comic books. But, you know, you see the strong art from Kirby from issue six to, I think, I guess it's like issue 44 or whatever, Sinat um, took over, took back over the book. 
the book is still a strong success and Kirby's approach had changed somewhat since he had first started. The, the early approach was closer to a style that was like him, where he worked with the, the, um, Joe Simon. But then now, at this point, it got a little more blockier. And the, who's, who inked it before that? Um, it was um, Vince Coletta had worked on the Fantastic Four, which was kind of a rougher period, the story with the Frightful Four. Then we had the first Inhuman story, and it's just like, all the Kirby, like the most creative period in comics, as far as the FF goes, is all Sinat inking. The Inhumans, Galactus, the Silver Surfer, all that stuff, the finishing was, and, and Kirby did, as you said, as, as Cal said, um, Kirby was doing full, like not doing layouts or breakdowns. He was doing full pencils. Everything was in there. And Sinat was still as far as the, definitely the Fantastic Four, you know, were making the, making Reed a lot, a little more handsome than he was in the pencils. And he was also adding, you know, he said he would slim down Sue a little because he said that Sue was a little hippie in the Kirby version. He was slim. And, and Stan was all for it. And ultimately, me Peter saying stripper. that. <laughs> but in, in, in me saying that, that's also saying that Stan also knew that um, an inker on Kirby had to sort of be the watchdog of continuity as far as the costumes and the characters, because they say, like, you know, it could be, I would say it's more forgetful, but then they also, I think Mark Evaner kind of says, oh, Kirby creates on the page, so he could change the costume and just move forward. And it's also say that he doesn't use an eraser. And that's, I think, something from him working with Joe Simon, where it was just like, just put it out there and move on. A lot of the corrections would come forth either the office, and it definitely having sent up there would actually keep everything consistent. Whereas, if points where Kirby had shifted or changed something, or keep the costumes or the clothing sort of the same. So, and then he was adding on top of that. So he's like almost the perfect person to be there outside of some of the corrections Stan did in the office, and ultimately to have such a strong collaboration. To I think forty four, I think there was a couple issues he did ink. He didn't, I think he did make a couple issues in the comic, and then he didn't make, uh, I think, the, one of the annuals. I think Frank Giacoa did, uh, I think, a couple issues for that. But most of it, of that period, those, um, those, those, those uh, four, four years, is a collaboration where the, um, Kirby and Sinat didn't meet at all. Like, they didn't meet until years later in 75 to have such a synergy of art. So much so when he, I think he was kind of fighting against, Kirby would have to fight against his own legend when you started to see um, Mike Royer kind of show you what was really in the pencils, which I think worked for the new gods. But it's, I think it'd probably be a really jarring to see this lot rougher artwork that wasn't necessarily as cleaned up and sort of finished, that, that the finishing that Cinna did. But I, I don't think, I don't think um, DC... DC wasn't paying that much as far as inking, so there was no way they were going to get... I think they should have. They should have sort of, like, pulled away because Kirby himself wanted um, John Romita to join him, so... <laughs> but anyway. No, so, that yeah, that would have been different. in the comics in the 1970s. Could <laughs> mm -hmm. you imagine uh, Jack Kirby, Andy pulls, John, Andy pulls John Romita, and they go to DC Comics? That, that would have been... Oh. You know, that would, yeah. Oh, man, that would have been wild. 
Well, that's the thing. No, I, those guys on Superman, I keep thinking every time I thought of that, like even though Kirby did sort of sort of worked on Superman and I love those pages, every time you think about it, I think Stan and Jack on that, 100 issues of Superman. You know, John Romita, 100 issues of Superman. <laughs> so keep going. Sorry I cut you off. That's okay. Hey, uh, I'm trying to remember. I think there was a couple of Thor covers he did. Mm. I don't remember the exact titles, but the... I mean, I'm a big Superman fan, so of course I'll know his super. What, I mean, he actually did one. I can't. I don't remember if he did anything other than that. But he did one book that I know. He, uh, I, rather, there's one book involving Superman that I know he did, and that was the Superman and Spider-Man Treasury Edition. Yes. Yeah. So he was on. He was. He was on that. The mind just like a team effort, which mm -hmm. is. Uh, it's kind of. I mean, because Walt Simonson was on the book. You know, there's a lot of guys on that. There's a lot of guys on that book, but. Of course, a lot of guys would want to be on that book because, you know, how often do you get to uh, do that type of company crossover? The only thing I found, found that was funny about that was that the first one, Superman versus Spider-Man, that was just a two that was just a two man effort. And when the next book came, everybody was like, well, I, I need to get in on this. You know? Well, they, they did have a little they did have some help on it. They had um, they had um, on, obviously John Romita cleaned up all Spider-Man shots. And um, on the DC side, they said Neil. They they talk about him approving it, but since all of the artwork was in the continuity studios, Neil Adams just walked in, looked at the Superman pages, and said, <laughs> "Dolled them up." He also had um, um who's that guy? He had um a lot of the anchors. They had like I think Terry Austin doing backgrounds and possibly. Close Jansen. So they had a little bit of team, but it wasn't official. The official guys were the official guys. But that one, yeah, the other one too had, you know, some, a number of, of things involved. Uh, but he, he also was the post Kirby leaving the Fantastic Four. He, the Fantastic Four, even though you had uh, John Buscema, you had Rick Buckler, you had George Perez. You had even Keith Pollard and um, and then obviously Bill Kinsinkevich and John Byrne on the book. You had all these guys on the book, and it was still pretty much Sinas' book. And he would work from breakdowns, and he like the artist break would break down the book, which is close to pencils, but some of the lighting not there. And Sinas would finish it and keep things in line. Yep, he finished it because uh, if, if I'm correct, in those days a lot of these guys. I'm not saying they didn't do it, you know, but uh, most of the time, the guys did enough work to get their name attached to it. And mm. then the, you know, he's the senior, not only is he the senior statesman, but he's probably the best inker there. So mm. everybody else would have probably went first and then he would have cleaned everything up. Yeah, that's the thing. And he, um, you know, the thing is, he was also, you can look at it when they were reprinting um, the, the Fantastic Four and, and, and World's Greatest Comics. He would redraw, he'd keep the layout, but he would redraw the covers, keeping in line on how the Fantastic Four would look present day. There's one with the Inhumans where he kind of um, updated the thing to look closer to, which I always say the in the 70s, the, who is it, the, the Perez, the Perez um, thing, the Sinat, Perez Sinat thing is kind of the official thing post the Kirby thing and post the John, John Buscema King, um, thing. So he kind of made the thing look like that in the comics, uh, in World's Greatest Comics. 
but having that thing where you had someone who was um, 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 the voice, you stole the, the, the name on the book that kept it looking like the Fantastic Four. And then I think ultimately when, um, when Byrne came on there, uh, he wanted, he wanted, um, he wanted Terry Austin to do it because they were still refresh off the X-Men when he was finally going to get to do it. And at that point, Sinat had decided to actually get off the book. So, and, and Terry Austin had, because of, I think, a delay, had, um, had the books, decided not to ink the book. And he was like, no, now Sinat wants off. And he's like, oh, I got to ink it myself. But um, had that such a long run up to, I think it's uh, 231 on the Fantastic Four. And he would come back a few times. He came back with Busima when um, Steve um, Englehart was on the book and did stuff with um, Keith Pollard. He would do Thor with Ron Friends. And, um, you know, that sort of signature look. I think ultimately the kids got more into Terry and Claus and then the image guys. So the Sinat look was... I think uh, not as as well liked as the classic stuff, but at the same time, this this that look that he gave kind of fueled Marvel through the '70s, and definitely, you know, that was um, you know he was definitely a strong strong sort of artist on these books, and like he's not like I think who's that as you were talking about with um, Kevin Smith going into the tracer aspect. He was clearly not a, he wasn't an eraser, like, um, what's the name? But he clearly wasn't a tracer. He would definitely add his flourishes on the characters and making them more handsome and getting the Marvel thing, which obviously Kirby kind of created it, but then you kind of see kind of shifting to some of the flourishes that, um, that, um, Sinat would give the book. And then later when they worked together on the Silver Surfer on, um, the, the graphic novel, the, one of the early graphic novels, that one he would kind of pull back. He wouldn't go as heavy as far as doing that. And he's like, hey, you know what? It's Jack's work. I'm not going to really um, do as heavy as I did before. I want to try to keep it what it was. But it would be interesting to see see if they got to do more than that. Then he did, I think, a couple of commission work. And then you also see some stuff he did on his own of the Fantastic Four, which looks really good, you know. So. Uh, the last time I got to see him, I think you were there. We were at the East Coast Comic Con over in Jersey. Mm-hmm. And he was there. And uh, how old is he? Was he 93 years old? Yeah, I think he might be. I think he might be. You might be right. Yeah, probably right. Let's just say you're right. Yeah, I'm not passed, sure. I think he passes away at, uh, well, check it out quickly enough. Uh, but I believe he passes away at 93. Three years old so he was probably 91 or 90 about 91 at the time we were there mm-hmm. and i remember that they i remember that day they, he had a, like one of those motorized you know yes yeah those motorized uh conveyances i'm not certain exactly what they call them mm-hmm. but he was there and he was signing all day and i remember feeling these mixed emotions because i had seen of course you know you're a fan you want to get the stuff signed and you realize that the guy and guys like him are getting older Mm-hmm. And you're not going to necessarily have the opportunity, but then you also I always remember, look, this is an old man. He's there all day, hunched over, yeah. signing stuff. Yeah. And I because the last time I saw Stan Lee, I got something signed by him, and you know, this wasn't even the Stan Lee I had seen a couple of years before. Mm-hmm. We got we got that picture with him. You know, this he was just head down, and you know, yeah. just signing like like a machine at the end of the day, and I felt horrible because like you know, he's still like this is still you know an old man. 
you know, he had just lost his wife. And then I see Joe Sinnott and in the same situation. But he seemed, he just seemed, uh, I don't know, he seemed more jovial at the end of the day. Uh, but a lot of guys were running to get his signature because his signature was now the equivalent of Jack Kirby. Mm, yeah. So Kirby's signature, of course, you know, you can't get Kirby's signature any longer. But, you know, the anchor, the guy who did the work on Kirby stuff, yes, definitely. And, with, you know, without a doubt, you know, just a lot of, you know, a lot of great work, too. So, you know, no, uh, no slight towards him in, uh, you know, him being the, him being the runner up to Jack Kirby, which most people just are the runner up to Jack Kirby at the end of the day. But that was, uh, you know, that's the last time I remember. That was the last time I remember seeing him. And, you know, you know just remember seeing the line of guys and all the work that, you know, they were picking. It's, you know, Fantastic Four, uh, Sil- Fantastic Four, Silver Surfer, Thor, definitely heavy Marvel. And again, I don't remember if he, he may have done some DC work, but I'm just not familiar with yeah. it. But it's all the more and it's all the Marvel stuff that people would know him for as well. What, you know, a great. Uh, what saddens me the most is that you have a lot of these guys out now. And they go and they charge $15, $20 for their signature. I'm usually reluctant to give them any of that money because none of them have the body of work or any of, uh, I don't want to say any names, but I'll look at, you know, there's a guy and he's uh, charging $20 for his signature. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what has he done? He hasn't done any work of, n- not necessarily substance, but there's nothing other than the fact that people like his art. And I know how it goes with comics, because people will love your art. And then, you know, two years later, you're passe. You haven't worked on, you haven't worked on any stories that were seminal. You didn't work on any stories uh, that, you know, are going to bring people back or going forward, are going to establish stuff with comic book legend and lore. But they're still, you know, still asking for the money. And then it's like, are any of these guys going to be like a Joe Sinner where you have that body of work that's indelible? Where, yes, you, know, you don't necessarily have to recognize it, okay, but it's there. It's mm-hmm. prominent. And there's no taking it away as opposed to, well, you know, I was really popular between, you know, I was really popular between 2015 and 2018. You know, I, you know, made, a, I made some heavy, you know, gains towards there. And it's one of the things, it's one of the things I see with comics, right, you know, comics right now that uh, eh, I won't say concern, I won't say that, you know, concerns me, but, you know, Joe Sennett was the type of guy, and like we were talking about this earlier, where you could be on a comic book in a run was considered three, four years. The mm-hmm. run that's what they were expecting. Now you do six, seven issues, or the run is over. Yeah, but yeah. you know, you look at guys. You know, Joe Sinnott, You know, you know, Joe Sinnott passing away. Uh, I remember, you know, Rich But Rich Butler when he passed away. Definitely Stan Lee, and you know, just have this large body, this great breadth of work at the end of the day. And you know, I always wonder who steps in to fill those shoes. You know, maybe those shoes, you know, just simply belong to him. And we won't see any replacement towards that thing. And comic books have changed a lot. So, you know, the, the need, you know, for guys like him who are able to deliver and, you know, render what he was able to do, maybe less. I don't think so. But, you know, maybe less at the end of the day. But, you know, always consider that because, you know, we lose Joe Sinnott and then, you know, who replaces that? What do we get? That's, you know, not nece- again, it's not necessarily here nor there. Uh, you know, in memoriam of Joe Sinnott, but it is something that, it is something that pops into my mind. You know, you lose a Jack Kirby and you just don't get another Jack Kirby. Okay. You lose Stan Lee. You don't get another Stan Lee. You lose Joe Sinnott. We don't get another one. And unfortunately we keep losing these people. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, you also had, you know, he had definitely had a good run. So it's, 
it's it's a major loss to comics, but uh, uh, definitely, you know, a life where he left a lot, lot on the on the on the drawing board and in, in being published in comics. So, uh, the only the, well, the only the, one of the bits I was thinking of is um, when um, I think when Byrne was doing the X Men, I don't know when he's doing the Fantastic Four, and he was trying to bring it back to the early runs. And um, even though, who was it? Um, Shooter wanted him on the book. Kind of, most of the people were feeling like it should just continue to look, <laughs> no matter who's ink it is, it should continue to look the same with the FF being bulky and this, that, and the other. And he turned to John Romita and he was like, kind of say, so what do you think, John? Do you think, um, he said, well, I think, you know, it kind of should look like the, you know, the trademark look of the Fantastic Four. So, but I don't want to tell him. They were kind of getting, they're trying to get John Romita to say it, to say something about it. You know, the, the Fantastic Four was, you know, getting the biggest success, even though John Byrne was doing a, a slight departure from what had gone before. It was just interesting to see that um, some Shooter was on the end of trying to get John Romita to kind of, hey, you say something to him, <laughs> even though we're liking the sales. Now we want to get, and that's the Marvel technique. Let's now get him to go back to where it was. We got the sales. Now just go have him shift the artwork back, and we got what we want. And um, the other, only other story was this interesting story on Shooter's um, blog. And I don't recommend much on there, but it's an interesting story about Joe Sinnott wanting an in, original art splash page or something a splash page of his run with um, with Jack Kirby. Because he was like, the split of, it, of, of original art is usually um, two-thirds to the, art, to the artist and one-third to the inker. And he was winding up. And, it, and Shooter also tells a story that the original art started getting given, given to the artist around 70. Roy Thomas put it in place, same as Carmen Infantino in D.C., Carmen would give the, the artists all the, the artists and anchor stuff, nothing to the writer. Um, Roy Thomas, being a writer, gave stuff to the artist, anchor, and the writer. So the artist would get all the coolest pages. The anchor would get some pages, a smaller percentage with less, less action in it. And the writer would get the pages with all dialogue. So it was kind of a thing where you had this pull in Marvel where the artists wanted to get more cooler pages. And um, Joe Sinner just wanted at least one or two splash pages out of the deal. Because so, every time we do this deal, I at least want something to keep of, of that stuff. Because he also talked about trading pages to get like a Pildor, an Atlas story from Kirby. He's like, he had some stuff, but he wanted to get Pildor, which he says is like the 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 prerequisite for what the things like skin would be like. So he was trying to get some of that because he, he inked that book for Atlas of Kirby's. But they took, Jim, Jim um, um, Shooter talks about having it work so at least so Cena could get like a one splash page, but he also killed the artist getting um, artwork. And that really upset a lot of the Marvel artists. But it was interesting that it was a catalyst that Joe Cena gave something to Stan saying, hey, can I get just at least uh, just a couple of the classic run when they finally started releasing that stuff. He says, cause I always get the, <laughs> I always get these. I never get one of the classic pages. And I at least want one. 
to have in my collection. And then Stan said that the shooter, shooter was trying to work it out. But ultimately he said, hey, why the writer's getting it? Stop. They're like, that damn shooter, how could he do this? <laughs> He's taking money out of our pockets. And there's long letters from the writers, but it's a really interesting story. And it's a more accurate portrayal of the original artwork because we look at it as Kirby never got anything until like 84 but they were releasing artwork in the 70s and like early 70s, like around 70 or 71, where artists were getting their stuff. But there was the classic artwork that was big in question. But at the end of the story, it was mainly about Joe Sinnott just wanting to get just maybe a couple of classic pages like of their work together, not just the panel work. So that's the, that's the only other anecdotes I have. Uh, I guess we wrap it up uh, again. Lost a lost a powerhouse contributor to the world of comics, mm -hmm. and uh, again, our rest in peace, Joe Sinnott. Thank you very much for all of your contributions, and uh, Godspeed. You know, Godspeed onto that. Uh, Godspeed onto the next world, where I'm certain you're going to be doing everything possible to keep them as entertained as we were entertained here. And okay, I would like to say I would, I would say definitely Godspeed and R.I.P. But I also say, if you run into Kirby, don't get him. To, don't let him have you ink all that stuff he's been doing while you haven't been with him. I know Kirby's up there writing and drawing right now, and he possibly needs another inker because he's got three million pages up there. You can do your own work. You've done enough. <laughs> but definitely, you guys hang out if you can. If, if it's if it's any way possible, do that. You know. So R.I.P. That's what I would leave you guys with. All right, so until next time, Spinarek. Out.